Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of Pod Strickland. I'm your host Shwepu in this is episode 296. I'm not joined by my co-host Prez who is uh on the West Coast for a business conference. Uh not he's not grinding. He is not crunching tape. He is not locked in uh for the Knicks playoff run here. Uh but the Knicks did win game 5 and to talk about that and much more I have friend of the pod you know him as at frank barrett 119 on twitter his name is jeffrey rasmussen jeff how are you doing on this uh very beautiful thursday morning i must say it is a beautiful thursday morning uh i'm actually just looking out the window right now and it just looks like a perfect day um which is fitting because the knicks got just a glorious glorious victory is really nice to see the uh see them extend the season. I have, uh, you know, certain thoughts and we'll get into that, but the overwhelming attitude should be relief and happiness that the season lives on and that there's still a chance to do something special here. Yeah. And, uh, to talk about that, we have a new sponsor, which I need to talk about, and I forgot to do it in the first 60 seconds, but hopefully they won't care. BetOnline.ag is your number one source for all your basketball info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines, including the latest player reports for this year's pro basketball playoffs. BetOnline is always your sports information headquarters this season as we have you covered for all your sports wagering needs basketball mlb nhl hockey right to ufc and boxing bet online is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games you can play right from your home head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action be sure to use our promo code leave b-l-e-a-v to receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts and the game sure did start yesterday. And I promise you we'll be talking about it very, very soon. But before I do that, I have to plug our own shit here. Uh, the Strickland has an Instagram. You can check that out. That is at the strict.land on Instagram. Give us a follow in there. We're posting all kinds of new content all the time. The Strickland also has a YouTube channel where you may be watching this podcast. If you are, please hit like. And if you haven't done so already, hit subscribe to the channel. That would be a huge help to us. Strickland also has merchandise. Uh, Jeff, I believe, is wearing some of it. Uh, I am not. I'm wearing a plain T-shirt. It's very comfortable. But our our merchandise is also comfortable. We have a lot of new stuff too. Jeff is rocking some of the older older stuff. But we have, uh, you know, we got a Brunson shirt. We have a Quickly Quickland shirt. We also have a shirt of the entire team with everybody on it. It's really really wonderful. Um, there's shirts, sweatshirts, hats, fucking. RJ Barrett mugs, you name it, we got it. Check it all out on our website, uh, the store on our website, rather, I should say. And finally, the Strickland has a Patreon, which you can subscribe to. There are a number of different tiers. There's a $6 tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland, this podcast that I host every Friday with Prez, except this Friday because he's too cool for school. You also get access to 
the Strickland Mailbag, hosted by Andrew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, a.k.a. The Doug Bag, alongside Dallas Amico. That comes out every other week. You also get access to the Strickland Discord, where the conversation never stops, especially during the playoffs. There are further tiers. Today's a $9 tier that gets you access to Trick and Roll, my solo pod, where I rant and rave about the Knicks even more. You also get access to wonderful premium articles by Matthew Miranda, one of the best in the business. There are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tier. This comes with a variety of additional benefits, like listening on the pod recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day, whether you choose to subscribe or not, none of this would be possible without you. So without further ado, let's get started. Um... Yes, the Knicks won game five yesterday, 112-103, a game that was very much a game of runs. Um, the Knicks got off to a terrible start, 24-14 at the end of the first quarter. It actually really felt to me very much like the Hawk series um, from 2021. The way they started, they just did not have... The, I don't like the whole they didn't match their intensity thing, but they were not executing sharply is probably the best way to put it. They let the refs get into their heads a little bit, which is understandable, by the way. That first quarter was one of the worst officiated quarters I've seen in a long time. That was really, really atrocious stuff from the refs, uh, including maybe the worst flagrant foul call I've ever seen in my life on Josh Hart. Um, and all I can say is this team, again, proves that it is resilient. It, it, it digs deep. They will. They, they might beat themselves because of mental errors, but they will not beat themselves because they due to sheer effort. They will not be, uh, you know, they will not fold. It's probably the best way to put it. And probably no better epitome of that than Jalen Brunson, who was fucking nails yesterday, 48 minutes. Um, I thought, was he good defensively? Was he great defensively? I don't think so, but he competed his ass off and he actually had, one of the hardest covers in the entire game chasing around Duncan Robinson, which is insane, by the way. I don't know why that was like the matchup that we just put him on Gabe Vincent. I don't understand. Or Kyle Lowry. That yeah. is a perfect matchup for Jalen Brunson. Like just put him on. Okay. If Gabe Vincent or Kyle Lowry is going to run around a bunch or like try to beat Brunson off the dribble, that's a win for the Knicks. Yeah. I'm with you. I, I didn't understand that, but whatever. The point is, he did everything that was asked of him yesterday for 48 minutes, did not sit, did not rest for even a second, um, and he was fantastic. Where did he end? I think he ended up with, what, 38, 8, and 7, something like that? Um, 12 yeah, or 22 he had, shooting. Uh, he had 38, 9, and 7. Yeah. Only, yeah. One, turno only one turnover on 12 yeah. of 22 shooting. Yeah, which is wild. 12 of 22 shooting. Um, the guy, what can you say? I mean, when you're talking about a leader, like, you know, the Knicks have already gotten everything they paid for as a player but when you're talking about the things he provides intangibly the example he sets every single day the example he sets when this team is under pressure when they're facing adversity uh his willingness to own up and take responsibility even when he probably doesn't need to um when he puts it on his shoulders it says everything about him and um you know i know that when he was signed. There were a lot of people, myself uh, included, that were like, look, I'm happy we signed him, but I would have been totally happy that if they just played Emmanuel quickly at point guard. Um, I'm very happy to say that I don't feel that way anymore. And that, that says less about how I feel about Emmanuel quickly and a lot more about how I feel about Jalen Brunson. I just think the things he provides are things this franchise has needed for so long, a uh, level of seriousness. And a guy who, I mean, not the most experienced in terms of playoff experience, but he has been there. You know, he did go to the Western Conference Finals last year. He has that experience. 
He's faced adversity in his career. This is a guy who very infamously was effectively dumped in the playoff rotation by Rick Carlisle. Um, you know, the year before in, in 29 or sorry, 2020 or 2021. Sorry. Um, and he bounced back from that has just improved and improved and improved and improved. And I mean, the culmination of that is probably these last two games you've seen from him where, I mean, if they don't have him in game four in Miami, they'd probably lose that by like 30 and if they don't have him last night. I don't even know. I, I think they were maybe still in the, in the mix, but he, he was just so crucial at every critical juncture of the game, like Miami, you know, the Knicks, they cut the lead to seven in the, in the fourth quarter, the Knicks come out, they turn the ball over under ball pressure for Miami. Miami comes down, they knock down a three, they cut it to four next possession down Brunson walks, just hits a crucial walk in three. And like that didn't seal the game, but that was a huge shot. They really, really needed that. It looked and felt like this was the moment where, oh, heat culture and like they're going to fucking, you know, Jim Tan laundry their way into uh, into a game five victory on the road again. Like they did to Milwaukee come back from 17 down or whatever the fuck they were down to 18, I think yesterday or 19. They were down 19 at one point. Um, and he just said, no, like you're not, you're not going to do it. Not today. And it wasn't just him. You know, I don't want to act like it was just him, but he set the tone and that was really big for them because it was a sharp contrast, I will say, to the all-NBA player on our team, Julius Randle, who did not start the game well, who has not set the tone throughout this series, unfortunately, and throughout this playoffs. And, um, you know, maybe there are reasons for that related to his injury. I'm not totally convinced of that, but either way, he has, not fa- he has failed to do it. And that's where you need a guy like Brunson to step up. And and the big thing about and Brunson's that is, hurt too. Yeah, Brunson's hurt too. Like, and I think the big thing about that is like RJ, like I think RJ quickly, you know, maybe Grimes. I think they can become players who are able to take on that responsibility and are willing to take on that responsibility. But having Brunson means that they don't need to do that yet, and they can grow and develop into players that are at that level, but they are not required to necessarily do that right now all the time, you know? Um, And it was just huge. Like everything about his performance yesterday and everything about how he's carried himself, honestly, throughout this year. um, And you look at, you know, again, you said the numbers 38, nine, seven, one turnover had one of the tougher defensive assignments in the second half, especially Um, the guy was, it's, there are not, many guards in the NBA I'm taking over Jalen Brunson right now. Like they, that guy is playing at a level that is unreal and it's not just how he's playing. It's the example he sets and how that galvanizes his teammates and what it means to them. And I think that comes across every single time he's on the floor. Um, and I love his pest. I love his post game press conference, just how complimentary he is all the time towards his teammates always says the right thing. He never takes credit. I mean, even yesterday, they were like, I think they asked him one of those questions, like, oh, how does it feel to like send this game back to my series back to Miami? And he said again, like he's, I mean, this has been his mindset. And this is what he said constantly. It's like, none of this matters. Like, it's just about winning. Like, we just have to get through the next game. We haven't done anything yet. Um, and it's like, I think, yeah, that, that's a the- uh, that, that's a really veteran thing, by the way. Like, and, and he's way ahead of his time. They uh, 
they, they really like to trap players in those playoff post game press press conferences to try to get them to like give the other team bulletin board material and stuff or just mm-hmm. to like and like so like in the post game in LeBron's post game last night they asked him that's about oh, the flopping si-. no they did but they also <laughs> said you're you're six and zero oh in home games this postseason so does that give you confidence <laughs> and he was just like no those games don't matter this is the only we're not trying to be seven and zero. Oh, we're trying to be one and oh on friday and i've watched every single brunson barrett randall i've watched everything knicks related and it's very striking how the media goes from like tepid in the regular season jokey to like they're very very strategically trying to get these guys to like say something that will build up the series more or like you know get them engagement and your point is just so well taken brunson is just a master like he's just and the cool thing about brunson is i don't think he's being like manipulative or indifferent or a media master i think he's combining like poise and being a veteran with a genuineness like he's about the team and he's about like he's a good leader i guess is what i'm trying to say sorry yeah i mean no no not at all i think i i forget i've talked about this a few times before but i think it was one of the dallas guys might have been tim mcmahon or maybe tim cato but when Brunson left, I think they were talking about a preview, like they were previewing the Mavericks season before the season started. And I think I don't, again, I don't remember which one it was, but one of them was talking about how like, yes, Brunson, obviously losing him on the floor would hurt, but they're more worried about losing Brunson in the locker room because of how much he meant. And like, look, like we saw the Knicks last year. And I wouldn't look, I don't want to get into like the whole, whatever the hell last season was, but you know, I didn't feel like they were mentally soft, but I did think they were lacking some, an edge. I think they were lacking some kind of uh, end of game, know how getting across the line type of thing, which happens. And it happens a lot when you are playing veterans who are completely washed like Emma Walker um, and whatever was going on with Julius last year. Right. And, I think you see what Brunson has brought to this team and it goes beyond, you know, the fucking you know, 24, six and whatever the hell you'd average. And it goes beyond that. It's, it's that when it's time to make a winning play, you have a guy that you implicitly trust. And I think even Julius yesterday, there was a possession where the Dicks got like an offensive rebound somebody kicked it to Brunson and Julius went to like, go get the ball from him. And Brunson was just like, like he didn't even wave him off. He just kind of ignored him. And, and Randall eventually like spaced over to the wing or something. But it was one of those things where it was like, if that was quickly doing that, Randall probably doesn't react the same way where he just accepts it. And I think it's important to have a player that everybody on the team understands how the hierarchy works. Um, and I think, you know, to your point about him being a good leader, one of the best things about him too, and we've talked about this, like there are times he struggles with balancing, finding his own shot, with getting other guys involved and everything. Because he is ultimately, his core as a, as a player is he's he's a scorer, you know? So there's always going to be some of the give and take there. But I think what's really, really nice about him is he's conscious of that. And so even while in games, he might lose track of it. I do think he understands like, he has to get other guys involved. And you see that at times where he's willing to, you know, let Julius get a shot or 
let uh, RJ get an action or whatever it is. It's not always perfect. It's not always clean. He's talked about it in this playoffs even. Um, but it is there. It is conscious. And I do think that's something that is really nice to have. And it's not something that every point guard is capable of because not every point guard is comfortable or as comfortable playing off the ball as Brunson is. And that's like a real weapon um, and a real advantage the Knicks have. Yeah. Um, and I think one thing that's important to remember, especially for someone like me, I'm so like reactive and I don't know, sometimes I just have to like take a moment and walk back the thoughts that pop into my head, but we're, we're barely scratching the surface with what we're seeing with Brunson. Like this isn't like the day to have a Tom, a deep Tom Thibodeau discussion, but it might be like Slater spot. <laughs> like like when 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 Kobe wanted to get Pau Gasol going to start games, the Lakers had plays. The Lakers had actions to get Pau Gasol into spots. When LeBron wants to get Anthony Davis going, they have that stupid play where Anthony Davis stands in the corner and LeBron and he cuts <laughs> to the middle and it, and it somehow works every time. I have no idea why it works. You, how do you not know it's coming? But it works every time. Um the Knicks version of Jalen Brunson getting a teammate going is okay. It's your turn to run an ISO or it's your turn to run a pick and roll. They don't have. So like, it's kind of unfair to Brunson of me. I, I'm being self-critical here because I, I get a little down on the, but both the ceiling of Brunson as a number one and more importantly, how much of this is he going to be able to retain when he has a true co-star? And I don't mean that to dump on Randall. Randall was great this season, but I, I, I just think it's pretty fair to oh, say we'll, that. Like, we'll talk about Randall. If, if you're trying to win a championship, you need a, a little bit better. And so I can get a little bit negative because it's like, you see what's going on out there. And it's like, it, it, it feels like if they got a guy like Devin Booker or, I don't know who other names would be, but it feels like Brunson would kind of become offensive diminishing returns. Sometimes it feels that way because it's like, oh, Devin Booker's here. Now Brunson's not just going to be, you know, not have this 40% usage where he's always in rhythm. It's always on him. You know, he's got to figure out a new way. But at the same time, it's like, okay, well, if and when that day comes, you'd like to hope the offense is a little bit more creative and maybe Brunson, there, there is more to him. And I think something you absolutely nailed and is a reason to bet on that is just the mentality of the guy. Like he'll be able to figure out ways to contribute that he's not showing right now when the offensive schemes changes. And that's a conversation for another day. But the point is, is that he's just, there's just something intangibly special about him um, that makes you want to ride with him and makes you want to bet on him. Um, and right now what we need from him is to be that, I don't want to call it like Luca heliocentric, but the offense is running through him. And I mean, stuff like this, really a, a game like this, uh, you know, I've said his name three times now. I don't want people. I know some people aren't the biggest fan of LeBron, but it really makes you appreciate guys like Butler and LeBron. Like, like what Jimmy, what J Jalen Brunson did last night, LeBron did like every game of the 2018 playoffs and he did it. This was his eighth year make making the finals and he was playing like 47 minutes a game. And it's like, we watched Jalen Brunson do it once and we're like, give him the key to the city, you know, like, and mm. it's like, and, and it's rightfully 
incredible. Like it, it was an amazing game. And and we haven't said Quentin Grimes' name yet. He played 48 minutes too. Yeah. He was awesome. Uh, and he played the last two minutes on one leg because the Heat have a legalized enforcer who like is just <laughs> enabled to attack the Knicks players yeah. whenever he wants. I, I don't understand it. Bam Tayomi um, out of bio. Yeah, it's just <laughs> outrageous. And like this is just I mean, this is just the thing about the playoffs is you, you see it with the Celtics, you see it with Marcus Smart, you see it with I mean, I, I I personally saw it with the Warriors last night. There are just teams who in certain atmospheres the refs basically the entire whistle is a hypocritical one because on defense it's oh this is a tough gritty defensive team like that's not a foul that's just them playing good hard defense but then you're not allowed to they they don't allow the other team to do the same on the other end and it's like i don't care if it's a tight whistle or a loose whistle i just want it to be a consistent whistle and like you, if you're going to call Mitchell Robinson for a moving screen when he barely moves, well, okay. There's 15 worse uncalled moving screens on the other end. And by the way, I say all this and I'm quite confident that the Knicks got one of the biggest whistle edges you'll see last night because from the second to the fourth quarter, they shot 20 more free throws. Like this isn't a ref game. If anything, if I was a heat fan, I'd be a little miffed at the well, overall. I, ref I, I thought, I thought, they, I really, I, I kind of wonder if they like between the first and second quarter, because they probably huddle up, right? I mean, what the fuck else they yeah. can do? Right? Like, I really wonder if they were like, yeah, that, that might have been, that might have been bad. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, because it was pretty fucking bad. Like, that first quarter was rightfully, I, I've been, re, I've been trying really, really hard throughout the series to not like, lose it with the officiating in game and not to like, you know, rage tweet about it. 17. It was that first quarter was fucking out of control. Like I've not seen that. something like that in a while. You had three straight possession. Like they had three, they called three straight offensive fouls. In the Knicks. the first one, Randall is getting bam is, has his arm over him over Randall. And so Randall raises his arm to like brush him off. And they called him for the brush off. Um, and then, then they call the one on Mitch, which I don't even think is a moving screen. Like if it is, it's, I mean, that's very marginal given what they're allowing throughout yeah. this. Let's put it that way. Uh, and then the one on Grimes is just not like, that's not a moving screen. They're both moving together. Like, like and, and even Jim Jackson, who I thought I mean, was, compare that to the Cody Zeller one that, that yeah. where he's playing offensive line. Like you, again, this is my point. You can't, if you're going to call moving screens that tight, it has to work both ways. Like it's, it's like a, an umpire who, you know, shows up one inning and he's calling pitches outside the zone. And then he's not doing that for you. Like, it doesn't matter. What one of those umpires that is. calls it one way for one team. And he's like, Oh, like he, he extends the zone for one pitcher and the other guy's like, Nope. Like I'm going right here. Right. Like, yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, like, I mean, I do think the Knicks got, a, they got a really, really good whistle in the second quarter, which I think is why they were like, okay, we probably fucked up. Let's even this out. I actually, I, I think they, they got to the line more, but that's also like, that's how the game should be called because the Knicks are playing inside out in a way that Miami doesn't. The Knicks look for contact other than Butler. Nobody on that Miami team, other than like Lowry grifting calls, hunts out contact. 
And like Bam, like I don't know who or was a friend of the pod. He's been on the pod a few times actually. Uh, it's an at is Kelly O'Burner on Twitter. Uh, he was like talking about how Bam needs to sell his foul calls more, like Jalen Brunson does. And I'm like, they have the same free throw rate, and Bam literally like skilled. all he does. All he does is shoot fadeaway eight footers. Yeah. Yeah, he's a he's a, <laughs> he's a really skilled player. He doesn't hunt contact. Like you're not going to get a bunch of fucking fouls doing that. I'm sorry, um, but like I I don't think the whistle was that bad the rest of the way. I, I mean I would agree. Like I think the Knicks edged it. But if you look at the fact that Miami's basically getting away with moving screens on like every single possession, and they got away with the moving screen on the biggest play of the of the game, which Grimes ended up you know like bouncing back and ripping Jimmy like I just I can't get to the point at any any stage of the series where I'm like yep the Knicks got a really good whistle tonight they got a fair whistle that's what I'd say I think the Knicks ended up getting a fair whistle last night and I think for the first time in the series Miami got a whistle that they didn't get their bullshit calls and I I have it clipped and we will watch it later but uh we did get to see RJ Barrett uh you know pull pull Pulled the trick on the master uh, against yeah, Colin cool. yesterday, which was fantastic. I just, I just want to say, I just want to say, and this will be the last thing I say on it, like because it's important to me that, and I'm not being critical of you. It's just important to me that, like, we're we're as fair as possible. If the Knicks outshot the Heat seven to one in the first quarter, and then we're outshot from the free throw line by 27 free throws in the last three games, we wouldn't be willing to give it the benefit of the doubt. We wouldn't be like, oh, well, let's try to break it down. We would just be like, that's bullshit. Like, and so all I'm saying is like, if I was a Heat fan, I'd be like, all right, like we did not get a great whistle towards the end of the game last night. And I think that's, I think, I don't, I don't think it's reasonable to say that the Knicks probably got a better whistle. on. The yeah. Ball. The Knicks definitely got a better whistle last night, but it's like, again, to me, it's just always like, yeah, you're supposed to get a better whistle at home, which is why like when Miami got a better whistle in games three and four, I'm never going to sit there and be like, well, that's why they won the game. Like, no, like I didn't, I, it's part of it. Like you can talk about that. I don't think the Knicks got a good whistle in those games, but I'm not like the Knicks have to own their own shit too. Like, yeah, you, if they controlled everything they could control and the margin of victory was just like ridiculous foul calls, then you can say the Knicks lost because of officiating. But that's not what happened in those games. Like they didn't lose the same thing with game one. They didn't lose those three games because the officiating, no, it, it, it helped Miami get an edge, but the Knicks didn't control the things they could control. And that's yeah. why they lost those games. And that's what it is. Last night, last night, the Knicks controlled what they could control for the most part. Um, or they did a much better job, I guess is probably a better way of putting it, of controlling what you can control. And that's not like the two games where they've done that, they have won. That's not a coincidence. So, um, yeah, look, uh, we'll, let's talk about a little bit about Quentin Grimes. He had a fucking fantastic game last night. He only had eight points. The defense was there all night. He was on Jimmy the whole game. Uh, just, I, I will say, for the people that were like, you know, because Tibbs had that comment after game three where they're like, why, you know, you know, are you going to play Grimes or why is he starting? Whatever they always asked. And he said something like, oh, you know, he's coming back from injury. So that was a consideration. He played the entire game yesterday. Where did he play in game four? Like 40 five minutes or something. He played pretty much the whole game. Uh, like, I, I don't want to hear it, man. It had nothing to do with injuries. That was a definite thing where Tibbs was like, they had beaten Cleveland with that lineup. He didn't want to mess with it because he just determined that like he shouldn't mess with it. 
despite all the evidence suggesting that Hart and RJ together, even through winning the Cleveland series, was not a tenable wing combination for long stretches, especially. Uh, and he burned himself for three games. I'm sorry, that's what happened. He burned the Knicks for three games, especially game three, I will say. Because in yeah, game- I, I, I'm sorry, to, I'm sorry to interrupt, but we're, we're yep. gonna if the Knicks lose in six or yep. seven, yep. we're gonna look back on Game Three as the game. Like he punted that game. That that game was a he, joke. Like it was ridiculous to watch. Yeah, and like the thing is, is it, it, t- first of all, Tibbs is so weird because like me and you talked a lot about uh, the last two seasons how like Jericho Sims would be out of the rotation, and then. Mitch or the backup center would be hurt <laughs> and Jericho Sims would play double the minutes of Oe Toppin. So like, it, and to me, that's very informative of how Tibbs sees his players. He doesn't see them for their individual value for the most part. I'm being very, I'm painting with a broad brush here. I'm not giving him enough credit, but um, he, he doesn't see them for their individual value or their, what, what they bring to the game. He sees them as cogs in this very, very rigid machine that he's built. And so it's just very odd that Quentin Grimes can go from, you know, playing single digit minutes, playing low, you know, playing 18, 20 minutes. And then all of a sudden he just hops in the starting lineup and tips is like, Oh yeah, you're going to play 48 minutes. Like it's just, it's just very, it's just weird. Like, it's just like, I'm glad he got it, but this has been apparent to everyone how important the spacing was. And I, I get that quickly was healthy in game three. Like, I don't think Grime, you agree that Grimes and Brunson probably don't play 48 minutes, even with how much quickly struggled this postseason. Like he quickly, no, no, he, like he, quick, quickly even, even when him. he's, yeah. Even when he's like not in love with quickly, he'll throw him out there for like 10 minutes. Cause he knows at the yeah. bare minimum quickly, the reason he, will always put quickly on the floor for a little bit is because he knows quickly will never nuke him on defense. This podcast is presented by bet online. I have to put that in there. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, check out, check out all the articles, check out all of the, uh, the, you know, the rundown that Sam and Tyrese host, they've been doing a really good job holding that down. Check out uh, draft Strickland. That's um, you know, I know Prez has uh, a lot of stuff planned for whenever the season is over, whether or not the Knicks have a draft pick. Um, and check out the recaps. Everybody's doing really good work. Collins had a few really good ones. Uh, so is Matt, obviously. And um, yeah, all right. That is our show for today. I hope everybody has a great, great weekend. I hope the Knicks make your weekend great by winning game six and extending our season just a little bit longer. But again, that's our show. And uh, I will see you all on Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean a cellar. the mini fridge. Yeah, it's a mini fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New 
new episodes of Fly on the Wallin drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallin wherever you get your podcasts.